My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace. Episode 1. I know it's all true, because it happened to me. Call me Lester. In my younger and more vulnerable years, I used to direct plays in France. I don't anymore. This is about a show that never got put on. It was to be my greatest achievement. The show in question was a monument of British musicals, a show that had been performed all around the world, but never in France. It involves the most prestigious theatre in Paris, a few high-profile media partners, some of the best French musical actors, and a posh London restaurant. It's about what happens when you meet your heroes. For legal reasons, I've changed the names of all those involved, although any resemblance, etc., etc., is entirely deliberate. I'm calling the show the Star-Crossed Twins, or just the Twins. The wonderful team I worked with referred to it by the initials BB, since conveniently in French, this sounds like BB. It was our baby, but we lost it. And this is the obituary. It's not the first artistic project with such high hopes to be stillborn and won't be the last, but that doesn't make it any easier to stomach, even after all these years. My dreams were destroyed. Three years of my life were wasted. All that creative energy came to nothing. Or rather, it came to this. Forget my dinner with Andre, my night with Reg, my evening with Gary Lineker, and my week with Marilyn. This is my lunch with Frank. Marauding ghouls, up way beyond the witching hour, were kicking up leaves, squeezing raindrops from the breeze blowing across Hyde Park Corner. Their haunting voices screeched something about, never ever, but the rest of the phrase disappeared in the wind. It was too late to turn back. Not that I'm superstitious, of course. Revolving doors swept me into the carpeted foyer of the prestigious Hilton Hotel. The lift sped me up to the 28th floor, windows over London. I looked out, smiling, reminded of a scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. One day, lad, all this will be yours. Well, not London, but Paris, perhaps. Talk of the town. One day next October. Nearly two years before this Halloween meeting, I'd been teaching a class in a Paris theatre school. The students had been working on monologues from Do It on the Radio, a classic play by my favourite playwright, Frank Williams. On top of that, we were also preparing to finish the term with a rough staging of the first chorus number from Frank's rousing musical, The Star-Crossed Twins. It was to give the students something to smile about for Christmas. I certainly had something to smile about. I got home and there was an email from a certain Augustin Le Parfait. He introduced himself as a young actor who ran a theatre company. He wanted to know if I would be interested in discussing the possibilities of directing the first French adaptation of a celebrated and long-running British musical set around a social drama. Well, he had me at the word directing. I replied that I was suitably intrigued and would be delighted to meet him. I didn't dare ask what the show was. Out of superstition or confidentiality? I don't really know. 
I had the whole holiday period to think about it, and the more I did, the more I was convinced that I was about to be offered the dream job, directing a full-length musical version of the Star-Crossed Twins. It's one hell of a story, stirring music, great characters, laughter and tears. The full emotional Monty. Then again, was I getting ahead of myself? Why me? Surely a big-name director or star actor should have been lined up to carry the project. And would I be able to handle such a big-scale production? It would be a step up from Beautiful Thing, which I directed and produced with my own money at the Arc-en-Ciel Theatre. And what sort of producer was Augustin Le Parfait? I couldn't find much about him online. But as hard as I tried to be cautious, I couldn't contain my excitement. I had a spring in my step around the house. My wife and kids wonder what the hell was going on. It was Christmas and our wedding anniversary, so I took the family to see an amazing Russian clown perform a show where the audience were literally covered in snow. My wife Estelle told me that I had the smile of a kid on Christmas Eve. I kissed her lovingly in return. My children looked away in embarrassment. Augustin Le Parfait? Nice to meet you, Mr. Loveless. Please, call me Lester. Augustin. Haven't we met before? Weren't you in that show at the Arc-en-Ciel on the same evenings as Beautiful Thing? <laughs> you have an excellent memory. I only had a walk-on part. Qu'est-ce que je peux vous servir, messieurs? Black tea for me, please. It'll be tea for two. Thank you. Deux thé pour la deux. Look, I can't wait. I've been on tenterhooks. It is the twins, isn't it? It is the star-crossed twins. How did you guess? I just knew it! Have you seen the West End production? It must have been running for, what, 20 years? 24. But I only discovered it last summer. I fell in love with it straight away, and I just felt I must do it. How did you get the rights? Does Frank Williams have an agent in France? Simone de la Biche, yes. Do you know her? Mm, by reputation. Deals with a lot of English authors. Yes, but it's not very responsive. She never got back to me. So I had to go back to England and arrange a meeting with Timmy Harden, Frank's agent in London. And I got his approval just like that. And he told me, though, the show is a national treasure, old boy. Don't mess it up. <laughs> no pressure there, then. No, it's a great show. To be honest, I've always wondered if a French version of the Twins was ever doable. Why? Well, French theatre and social drama. True. But France has an appetite for musicals. It's the perfect moment. Sister Act has just opened, so now it's the brother's turn. And have you produced anything before? No, but it's not a bad place to start, is it? And why me? Well, because I saw a beautiful thing, remember? And I loved your direction. The Twins needs a director who can bring out the humor as well as the pathos of the story, just like you did in Beautiful Thing. Thank you. You English are so good at mixing tragic and comic within the same piece. A certain Mr. Shakespeare showed us the way. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know the Star-Crossed Twins? Know it? I've been a fan of all of Frank Williams' work ever since I saw the original production of Do It on the Radio with the brilliant Judy Waters as the hairdresser when I was at school. It's still one of my favourite plays. I haven't seen it. You should read it. Pygmalion with proper jokes. And how about Off to Greece? I don't know that one either. Oh, it's a wonderful solo about a woman who talks to the wall. <laughs> anyway... I just can't understand why Frank isn't a household name in France. Well, he will be soon. Trust me. So, um, what do you think of the twins? I love it. I know it backwards. 
Did you ever hear the story of the star-crossed twins? Something, 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 two new pins. That's it. <laughs> I've seen the West End production twice, and I'm always using material from Frank's plays in my theatre classes. He writes strong scenes, especially for women, and great songs too, and he's just very funny. Well, it seems like you know all about Frank. So, are you, uh, you interested? Is the Pope Catholic? You mean that's a yes? Oh, yeah. But look... I'd need to be happy with the adaptation and have a major say in casting. Oh, of course. So are you thinking of having a full cast? Absolutely. Seven, maybe eight actors for the main roles. Great. And I'd say an ensemble of at least six. That sounds right. And live music, no playback stuff. I can see the musicians involved with the action on stage, especially for the wedding scene. And the I'm not, but the, the, the production needs to be adaptable enough to tour. I want it to be accessible and with the widest possible appeal. That's fine by me. Modern production values, a bit of multimedia, but the action should still take place in a recognizable northern city. Well, it looks like we agree on everything. Je peux vous encaisser, messieurs. Je termine mon service. Uh, this is on me. Oh. Uh, par carte? Augustin, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So we shook hands, and for the next two months we got to work. On the adaptation on finding co-producers, theatres and media partners, and on casting. Being headhunted, asked, commissioned to direct someone else's project, deliver someone else's baby, was not just flattering. It was something I'd dreamed about. And not just any baby. This was Bibi. In contrast to Frank's novel, Not You, Not Here, Not Now, I felt I was the right person, in the right place, at the right time. In the meantime, Simon Labiche, the Paris agent, had prepared the contract for the performance rights. I went along with Augustin for the signature in early March. We entered a rib-vaulted office in an elegant stone building in the shadow of Notre Dame. Our lady was chic and charming. So, how are you enjoying your café? It's good, isn't it? I have a new machine. Very oh, nice. Lovely. Please help yourselves to one of these delicious macarons for my friends at La Durée. I know the family for a very long time. Try one. Mm. Mm. Lovely. Oh, very nice. Um, just out of curiosity, are you by any chance related to the playwright Labiche? I love all those comic asides. Oh, yes, I am indeed. You could say that theatre is in my blood. So, did you read over the contrat? I hope it's clear. I don't like any confusion. It's very clear. I'm ready to sign. And I brought the cheque. Oh, Augustin. <laughs> I'm so glad we agree. Let me just remind you once more of the most important clause. It's important that we have the same understanding, yes? Of course. So you have just under two years to adapt and produce the play. And this is essential in a first category French theatre, followed by a minimum of 50 dates within the next 12 months. Yes? Yes, that's fine for us. Where do I sign? Good. Monsieur, break a leg. I'll be with you all the way. 
and off we went to sell our bibby. I worked in tandem with Delphine, our promoter. We were an unlikely but efficient duo that she called our double act. She would contact theatres, funding bodies and potential media partners and get us meetings. I would pitch the show on the artistic side, explaining the context of the story and how I was going to treat it. My English credentials, okay, my charming accent, were supposed to be a major factor in convincing the person across the desk to buy, co-produce, finance, promote the show. Delphine then took over for the nuts and bolts of the partnership, dazzling with budgets and ticket prices and reverse planning. Our very first meeting took place with Dominique Claude, who ran a space specialised in musical theatre. The meeting confirmed my suspicions that not many people in France had ever heard of the twins, and that I was going to have to explain not just the phenomenon of the show, but even what type of musical it was. I found this staggering. The conversation I had with Dominique, and with dozens of others over the following 18 months, went something like this. So, do you know the Starcross Twins? Never heard of it. Well, it's been on in the West End for 24 years, third longest running show there. It's been on Broadway and all around the world. You could say it's the English West Side Story. I'd like to live in America. Yeah, um, but this one takes place in Liverpool, so you could say it's a Merseyside story. Merseyside? Mersey's the name of the river in Liverpool. Mersey Beat? Oh, of course, yes. I love the Beatles. Who doesn't? Anyway, just like West Side Story, the Star-Crossed Twins is a serious piece of theatre with some show-stopping songs and an unhappy ending. Interesting. In the UK, The Twins is pitched as the musical for those who don't like musicals. It appeals to all those allergic to spangles and fluff and huge choreographed chorus numbers. I like spangles and fluff. Oh, there are choreographed numbers in the show. Don't worry, it's a musical after all. What I mean is that it's not an all-singing, all-dancing frivolity. So, what's the story? Well, it's about twin boys separated at birth and raised either side of the working and middle-class tracks. How they become friends without knowing who they really are. But when they find out, they bring about each other's downfall. A melodrama, then? More like a folktale. It's a family saga that plays out over 25 years with a whole range of quirky walk-on parts. And there's the biological mother of the twins. It's one of the great roles for actresses. A Liverpudlian mother courage. There are also moments of childish fun and black humour. I don't understand. Comedy or tragedy? It's both. It's a poetic fable about the role of fate. For instance, it has a repeated theme about what happened to Marilyn Monroe. It's a tale about superstition, about the devil and the pact we make with him. The show starts with the end and goes back to the beginning before catching up with itself. The tragedy is destined to keep repeating. Life as a not-so-merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, I like that. We used to have a carousel of horses attached to the ceiling which we lowered into the auditorium with dancing girls astride them during shows. Unfortunately, health and safety put an end to that years ago. But the horses are still there. I'm sure you saw them in the corridors. Well, uh, yeah, that, that gives me some interesting staging ideas. I mean, uh, there is, in fact, a funfair scene in the middle of the twins. But it sounds like a social drama. We don't really do much of that in France. I know, but that doesn't mean that it can't work. I produced and directed Beautiful Thing, and the show ran for three years. I sold it as Ken Loach on stage. That did the trick. And then, wouldn't you know it, this year the Théâtre Blanche used the exact same phrase for their production of Sunderland. That show is a big hit, apparently. Yes, it is. It's great. And it's a social drama, too. But not a musical. No, but the full Monty is. 
And there's a French version of that which is just about to go up at the Comédie Française. So, The Twins is Sunderland meets The Full Monty. That could work. Are there naked men? Uh, no. But there's so much more. British humour and pathos at its best. Who's in the cast? We're in talks with Vincent Paradis as one of the twins and Valérie Denfer as the mother. Vincent, not bad. And what about the songs, in English or French? French. I need to listen to some of them. You should do a public reading or make a demo CD. Then we'll see. We decided to do both. A reading and make a CD. By July, we had the seven main roles, including our first choices, Vincent and Valérie, a couple of the hottest musical actors on the Paris scene. By September, the cast had gone into the studio to record seven of the 21 songs in their all-new French versions. The public reading was planned for November. Over the course of the next six months, we managed to interest the state-run France Télévision and the commercial TV channel M6. Similar interest came from the national radio station Europe 1 and the rock radio station WeFM was also very keen. People loved the cast, adored the songs. All we needed now was a theatre. What we had in mind was a three-month run at the mythical Follies, one of Paris's theatrical landmarks. Thanks to the public presentation, we secured our funding. Lemons Productions. The French didn't find the name strange, and at the time we were all delighted as Lemons first negotiated with Simone an extension to the performing rights for a further year to build up more interest. Then they went to the Follies to sign a contract. But the Follies didn't happen. It fell through at the last moment, and two months later, Lemons pulled out. To make it worse, Lemons never actually got round to paying for the extension rights, so it was Augustin himself who had to fork out from his own pocket and hand over another cheque to Simone. You could say that Lemons left, yes, you guessed it, a bitter taste. I was a little discouraged, but not Augustin. And so during the summer, while everyone was on the beach, including me, Augustin had prepared what I called a brilliant three-card trick up his sleeve. Firstly, he decided we needed a new visiting card, a three-minute video teaser for the web and social media. The film was released to the world and sent to Frank in early October. The reaction was universally positive. Seeing was believing. We started to get pre-sales. I was still nervous about Frank's reaction, though. Augustin's second masterstroke, after the follies had fallen through, was the idea of renting the Sarah Bernhardt Theatre for a one-off performance. It would be our electric premiere, creating a buzz before going on the provincial tour. Performing at France's number one theatre for musicals was risky, but ballsy. It didn't get more prestigious, more first category than the Sarah Bernhardt. Augustin asked me to go and meet the theatre's director, Jacques Videfroy. He was the man who'd introduced Parisian audiences to English musicals, to Sondheim, and also to The Sound of Music, My Fair Lady, West Side Story, Carousel, and many others. I was actually very curious to know why he'd never considered putting on the twins himself. I had to hide my surprise that the man who had been CEO of London's premier dance venue for two years the man who is credited with bringing Broadway to Paris, knew nothing about this monument of British musical theatre. So, I did my usual spiel about the show, which obviously worked, as a date in October the following year was chosen and agreed on. 
But it was Augustin's third surprise which was the most thrilling for me. I was to meet Frank. Augustin had been trying to set up the meeting for some time via Simone, but she'd never even replied to his request, so Augustin organized it himself. Our aim was to introduce ourselves to Frank, break the good news about the Sarah Bernhardt, and talk about the artistic project. Responding to our invitation, Frank wrote that he was looking forward to the lunch and that he really liked the teaser video. We were, as the French don't actually say, au-dessus de la lune. So here I was, the day after Halloween, 28 floors up, with London at my feet, about to meet the hallowed Frank W and tell him about Sarah B. I was here to meet one of my heroes, talk theatre and smile at his jokes. Augustin had chosen really well. It was a very chic restaurant, although he might have done a bit better than wearing a pair of jeans. As for me, I'd done some serious clothes shopping earlier in the week. Just as we decided to move towards the restaurant, we heard the lift doors open. And out came a figure with an aura around him. My heart missed a beat. I was starstruck for a moment. I was in the presence of greatness. I realised that I'd been expecting a haggard but genial man whose face would betray a lifetime of struggles and laughter. But actually, as he walked over, I could see that he looked serious and was trim and smart, very good for his age. Someone had done a good job on his hair. Maybe the woman following in his wake. Was this Rona from Do It On The Radio? But I was confusing Frank the character with Frank the author. The woman was his assistant, Michel Gabriel, a middle-aged, mousy French academic. Nothing like Rona, in fact. I did have a feeling, though, that our paths had crossed before. So pleased to meet you, Frank, Michel. I'm Augustin, and this is Lester, our director. Thank you so much for coming. Frank, it's a real honour. And hello, Michel. We've worked before somewhere, haven't we? I don't think so. Nice to meet you, though. Hello, gentlemen. Our table is over there. Shall we? Frank, why don't you sit here, near the window? Great view, isn't it? Wet, grimy London. Give me Liverpool any day. Well, Lester, why don't you sit uh, next to Frank? Michelle, on the other side, and I'll sit here. Is that all right? It's perfect. Well, let me tell you that I'm very honoured and happy that we can meet today. And I thought champagne would be nice for the occasion because we also have something to celebrate. Lester, I'll let you make the announcement. Yes. Frank, I feel a bit silly because I can't stop smiling. This is such a thrill. We have an official date for the opening night of the show. It'll premiere at the magnificent Sarah Bernhardt Theatre October the 12th next year. So, I'd like to propose a toast to the twins, to Frank, and to Sarah Bernhardt. Nobody else raised their glass. In episode one of My Lunch with Frank by Kester Lovelace, Kester Lovelace was Lester, Oscar Lesage, Augustin, and Sarah Tullamore, the waitress. Julie Callier played Simone, and Nicholas Mead, Dominique. Manon Clavel was Estelle. The sound was designed by Laurent Paulret. My Lunch with Frank 
was directed and produced by Joanna Schibist. <laughs>